Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning in to this podcast. With the Feast of Candlemas, we draw to an end our celebration of Christmas and Epiphany and turn our faces towards Lent and the start of the most significant spiritual journey that any of us can make that leads to Passiontide and the joy of the resurrection at Easter. Do please leave a comment or a like, it's always good to hear from you. And if you'd like to help to, if you'd like to donate to help support these services, you'll find details in the accompanying text of how to do so. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our service begins. A voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him.
Lord be with you. Please be seated. A very warm welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the last Sunday before Lent begins. Wherever you are in the world and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
almighty God, whose Son was revealed in majesty before he suffered death upon the cross, give us grace to perceive his glory, that we may be strengthened to suffer with him and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his servant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Tarry here for us until we come to you again. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a cause, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. And Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. This is the word of the Lord.
A reading from the second letter of Peter. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honour and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we heard this voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word made more sure. You will do well to pay attention to this, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by the impulse of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. This is the word of the Lord. the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were filled with awe. 
But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Out of all my elderly relatives, I always felt particularly close to my paternal grandmother, who died almost 40 years ago when she was aged well into her 90s. And my last ever visit to her in her nursing home proved to be unexpectedly memorable. She was extremely frail by that stage and almost completely incapacitated reduced to sitting in her armchair in her little room for much of each day, although her mind remained as sharp as ever, right to the very end. And having visited her on that particular day, as I was preparing to leave, suddenly something very strange and completely unexpected happened. It may just have been a trick of the light, perhaps a sudden shaft of sunlight catching her face from a particular angle, but just for a fleeting moment, her face was lit up. I could glimpse the structure of a face that had once been extremely beautiful beneath an expression of total peace. She looked radiant, and I heard myself saying aloud to her, you are beautiful. She looked up at me, positively glowing, and said, Thank you. Thank you. And that turned out to be my last ever conversation with her, because sadly, a couple of days later, she died. That final moment in that final encounter with her was such a gift to me, and such an unexpected gift, at that. I was suddenly reminded of that encounter all those years ago when reflecting on today's gospel reading. Here we are, the final Sunday before the start of Lent, the season of penitence and lament and spiritual self-examination that's going to begin in three days' time on Ash Wednesday. And what is our gospel reading for today? It is that weird and rather perplexing story about the transfiguration of Jesus, in which Jesus goes up a mountain with Peter, James and John and is suddenly and dramatically transformed before their very eyes into a figure clothed in dazzling white. They literally do see Jesus in a completely new light. Now, you might with justification be wondering why we heard that particular story today on the final Sunday before the beginning of Lent, particularly because, as any liturgical anoraks amongst you will already know, the event of the Transfiguration already has its own very special feast day in the Church's calendar 
on the 6th of August. So why do we hear it again now, today? It's worth remembering that although they didn't realise it at the time, the Transfiguration was not simply a profoundly eye-opening moment of insight and inspiration for the disciples. Much more importantly, it was also an event which eventually they would look back to as a key to help them make sense of the dramatic incidents, the dramatic events that were about to begin unfolding around them. Because at the Transfiguration, the disciples are being given a foretaste of what ultimately awaits them, the other side of all the pain and the anguish that lies ahead. Namely, the risen, ascended and glorified Lord. They are given a glimpse of glory. Glory, remember that name, that, that, remember that word for a moment. But at the time the transfiguration happened, Peter's reaction to this mind-blowing event is all too recognisably human. He wants to seize that moment and bottle it to keep hold of it for all time. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, he says. But Peter has completely misunderstood the nature and the significance of that event. Because properly understood, the transfiguration of Jesus functions a bit like a trailer for a forthcoming film or TV series. And although a trailer can certainly whet one's appetite for a wonderful film, after all, that's what it's designed to do, it can never be a substitute for the film itself. Indeed, it's generally the case, certainly in my experience, that it's only when you see the film that you can begin to understand what is really going on in the trailer. And so, as we get ready to enter the season of Lent, in which we prepare ourselves for the life-changing events of Holy Week and Easter, the transfiguration, that fleeting moment of insight into what it is that lies ahead of the journey, is very well-timed indeed. Glory is a word that crops up quite a lot in Christian worship and a great deal in the Bible, but it's actually quite a tricky concept to explain. Something that I came across the other day, which I found very helpful, was the idea that glory is what you glimpse when three really important things come together, coinciding suddenly and wonderfully. Those three things being beauty, truth and goodness. Taken on their own, each one of them is precious enough, of course. An encounter with beauty can stop us in our tracks. It can open our eyes and touch our hearts, particularly when we glimpse beauty in a person or a situation where we least expect it. But beauty is by its very nature transient. The most beautiful of human beings cannot withstand the disfigurement and destructive power of death. The same might also be said of goodness too, that too can be transient. Truth can be regarded as timeless, but truth can sometimes also be ugly. However, when beauty 
and truth and goodness coincide. In that instant, it is glory that you behold, and glory is by its very nature divine. It reveals the God who is the embodiment of beauty and truth and goodness. And that moment, that encounter with glory cannot be but be transformative. We're celebrating two very special events here in church this morning. First, we are welcoming into the family of the church through her baptism, our very newest little member, Charlotte. For her, this is a whole new beginning, marking the start of her spiritual journey. None of us can know where that path will lead her, of course. But today we surround her with our love and our prayers in this public affirmation of our support for her on her journey, our welcome to her into the family of Christ. And from now on, alongside her own wonderful family, she's chosen her parents very well, incidentally, Wherever in the world her life will take her as a baptised member of the Church of Christ, she will also always be part of a spiritual family that transcends all boundaries of geography and culture. And we're celebrating another new beginning here today as well, as we have the privilege of asking God's blessing upon the new master of one of our livery companies, the worshipful company of marketors at the start of his term of office. So we're marking another new start, another new beginning as well. I love occasions like these because in and through them, we are given a glimpse of the future, a future that is filled with promise and hope. And as we are united in sharing that precious moment, these precious moments, and inviting God's blessing upon these two people, we're invited to participate in that glimpse of glory. Inevitably, there will always be challenges and disappointments along the way. That is the nature of all human life. But every little glimpse of glory that we are granted is a foretaste of the place to which we are all eventually called to be, held within the arms of God, transfigured by his love and grace. One of my favourite modern poets who writes on religious themes is Anne Lewin. She has a beautiful and very short poem on the theme of our gospel reading, Transfiguration, which reminds us of our need to keep awake to be alert, for unless our eyes are open, we are at risk of missing that sacred moment, that moment of glory altogether. I shall leave you with her words. A moment of blinding perception. It would be good to stay there, but clutch it and it's gone. They come unheralded, those moments of dazzling clarity, and leave us as suddenly. As well try catch the kingfisher darting through stillness. Be thankful 
for its jewelled beauty and keep awake, alert. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, in our hearts and minds we think of the over 41,000 people who have died in the regions of Syria and Turkey and the millions whose lives will be devastated by the earthquakes. Draped in ragged blankets, their existence will be one of daily sacrifice and suffering. We think of the story told by Orhan Pamuk, of the little girl fixed rigid under collapsed concrete, exhausted, snow falling upon her face. The stranger who wishes to free her does not have the means and strength to do so. Help is miles away. With tears in his eyes, the man makes promises he cannot keep. Many such promises have been whispered. We pray that more border crossings will be open now, not tomorrow, to enable humanitarian aid. To be shared. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the rescuers, aid workers and doctors and all those working in the media who bring to light news of the aid efforts and those guilty of hindering aid for the sake of political goals. May justice conquer selfishness and oppression. We pray for the peoples of the Ukraine and we pray for all those living in conflict and fear. 
We pray for the coastal communities of New Zealand that have been flooded by Cyclone Gabriel. We pray for all those friends, family, colleagues, including those sitting with us in the pews, suffering from illness in mind and body and bereavement. How comforting a pat, an embrace and a listening ear can be natural medicine. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our Christian community, with great joy, we pray for both dear Charlotte, in light of her baptism here today, and her family, and for Glyn Cartwright, the new master of the Worshipful Company of Marketors. We pray for the City of London and all who serve the city. Alas, it is with great sadness that we pray for the repose of the soul of Peter Longland, a dear friend to our church and our guild, loved and charmed by all. We pray for Emmanuel Adonigi, and dear Alison, Jeff and Steve, appreciating their enlightening sermons, we pray for our choir, our staff, Claire and James and Jennifer, and our vergers, Robin and Nadira. We pray for each other, those with whom we are familiar, and those we greet for the first or second time. May our friends across the sea smile too in the spirit of camaraderie. As the world, dear Lord, at home, begins to wake up with the days growing longer, with hints of daffodils appearing in the parks and tiny green buds emerging on the trees, we are thankful to you, dear Lord, for your guidance in the face of despair. As Emily Dickinson wrote, a light exists in spring. For us, dear Lord, you are that light beaming all that more greatly. Merciful Father, accept these prayers, these prayers for the sake of your Son, our, our Saviour, Saviour, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this, our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven. We worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ, Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy, 
Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him and eat. Let us pray. Holy God, we see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. May we who are partakers at his table reflect his life in word and deed, that all the world may know his power to change and save. This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.